Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You are watching TC Live from sunny South Florida inside the Hard Rock Stadium as Tennis Channel's coverage of the 37th edition of the Miami Open comes to you from Miami. It is the 13th and final day from South Florida. Countless hours of coverage has all culminated to this. Miami has a new champion, and he's the youngest winner in the tournament's history. 18-year-old Carlos Alcaraz wins his maiden Masters 1000 crown and becomes the third youngest to ever do so at a 1,000-level event. As we welcome you to the Tennis Channel Cadillac desk, Danny Kleppinger joined by Hall of Famer and first woman to ever win the Miami Open here, and Martina Navratilova, and of course, Mr. Worldwide himself, Prakash <laughs> Amitraj. You like that, didn't his own branding and everything. Hey, let's talk about that final we just witnessed. Casper uh, Ruud actually started off hot, had a 4-1 lead in the first set, and then it was all about the Spaniard after that. What impressed you the most about the young Alcaraz? What didn't? I mean, um, Ruud got off to a great start, but he had to come red line together. He played perfect tennis, and as soon as he didn't play perfect tennis, Alcaraz pounced back, broke back, and once he broke and got even to 4 all, I, I, I thought he would win the match in two, maybe. I thought, okay, after that start, not so much. But he just doesn't panic. Mm -hmm. He doesn't panic about the score. He doesn't panic about anything going wrong. He trusts his shots. He trusts his body, trusts his mind. He's thinking out there, problem solves during the match. For an 18-year-old, that is perhaps the most impressive thing, is how he can change the strategy adjust and make the opponent think, ooh, I wonder what I'm going to do now. It's such a fine line, isn't it, Martina, especially at that age, to have that emotional maturity to have all of the shots, know when to choose which ones, but at the same time, while you have all of them, you don't overcomplicate things. Right. It looks like he keeps it so simple out there, and there's a, a, there's a beautiful uh, element to his simplicity when he plays. Well, he did a little bit of serve and volley. In fact, he did a little bit of everything. When you were watching that match, Martina, can you tell us what you saw as his biggest weapon. That's the beauty of it. The variety that he's got within this game. He can play great defense. He can play great offense. He can serve and volley. He's got the feel. To me, the combination of the raw power and feel, I have not seen before. It, it took Rafa a, a while to get to that point. He's already there now at 18. And, uh, and he knows when to deploy that. And even if he doesn't deploy it at the right time, it's a surprise that counts. And he's able to do it. He's able to hit that volley, even though he hadn't hit one for a set. He's just impressive on every level. Well, let's take a look exactly how this went down. And Martina, talk us through this because, like we said, Casper Ruud got off to a hot start. He had to be hot. And I feel players have to redline their game because Alcaraz defends so well. They have to go all out. And Casper played beautifully at the beginning of the match. He was thumping the forehand, getting Alcaraz on the defense and hitting enough of those forehands. But that, again, once Alcaraz got into the groove and broke back, he hit a one forehand on a full stretch at 100 miles an hour. That should not be possible. It, it, it's amazing because not only does he get such an amount of pace on all of them, but you can see the way it bounces after it hits the court. <laughs> There's so much weight behind it as well. And you see that on both of his shots. So it's really tough to pin him down to one side. You really feel under the gun as an opponent. 
second set was pretty much one-way traffic here after he was down here in that first. He's sort of like a runaway steam train. He didn't really let Root back into the match. And to be able to front run against a player of Root's caliber, just outstanding. And Martina, it seemed like he really used the crowd's energy. He loves the big stage. He does, and the crowd loves him, and he brings, gives it right back to them. And again, the, the way he plays, it's not just raw power. He can hit a drop shot. He hits lobs better than anybody at points where you think you should be nervous hitting it, but he feels it. He, he's not afraid to use the touch at nervous moments. Uh, he keeps his nerves together. It's beautiful. And there is a look at the stats from the match. What stands out to you, Prakash, off of that graphic? Well, listen, he's giving himself an opportunity all the time. The two ones that stand out the most are, look, and you're getting a 71% rate of first serves in. You're getting a lot of forehands after you do that, which puts him in a great position. And also 27 winners to 22 unforced errors at the pace which he hits it. Impressive stuff. And because he hits the ball so hard, he was able to get to Kasper Ruud's backhand. Because if Kasper cheats to the to the backhand side to hit the forehand, he hit that beautiful backhand down the line. Of course, for forehand cross court, runs away from you. So he was able to get the ball to Kasper's backhand, and and then Kasper couldn't hear him. Well, let's hear from the teenage sensation from the press room about match point. Well, Serfa Mole was uh, a key for me in this match. I did a, a lot, and uh, I think I won almost the 100% of that uh, that points when I did Serfa Mole. And uh, I I saw Casper uh, returning the, in the back side. So, um, back side, no, at the sure? At the back of the court. Uh, and uh, yeah, I decided to to serve to his backhand and go to the net. I mean, the, that Juan Carlos told me, you have to go for it every, uh, in, in every moment. We've talked all tournament long about players making adjustments in their game. At what point in this match would you say the turning point happened for Alcaraz? Well, right in the beginning, as Martina said, he, he just never looked panicked. And even though Rude got off to a good start, I think Rude, uh, uh, excuse me, Alcaraz just kind of stuck to his game plan, kept executing what he was going to. He just cut down the errors. And at that pace, when he starts executing, mm. it, there's just not much you can do. Absolutely. Okay, well, taking a look at the second set here with Alcaraz. Well, this was a massive turning point here as he's trying to really crack this match open on the absolute dead run. That giant step he takes with his right leg almost seemed like a colossus striding the court there across half the court, harking back to a little bit of Pete Sampras with that running forehand and the absolute pace that he brought with it. It's frustrating for, for Rude and, and players that play against Akras. They think they're in an offensive position at the net or on the baseline. And the guy hits a winner. Not only does he get there and get, keeps the ball in play, he hits a winner. It, you know, where you, you're like, what just happened? I thought I was winning the point and I lost it while doing absolutely nothing wrong. Kasper Root played well. He did not play badly. But those unforced errors over winners, that's on, that's on Alcaraz. He forced him to go for more than he wanted to. And ultimately, he could keep it up. Well, let's take a look at his journey to the title here. Six wins and some good ones at that, not to mention... Stefano Tsitsipas, and then that Kachmanovic match, which Kachmanovic had a, a, a great lead there and almost looks like it was going to go to him. Well, that was an absolute war. Look, I think Kachmanovic is very underrated, doesn't get enough credit, put a ton of balls in play there, and that was an absolute war. The match that really impressed me, though, that 5-3 and three win over Stefano Tsitsipas. Look, he beat him at the Open, but he had a little bit of an element of surprise. Stefano knew exactly what he was getting into. Still straight sets, Martina.
Yeah, with well, the one hand of Tsitsipas was, uh, Alcaraz was able to uh, yeah. get into that one-handed backhand. He just couldn't keep up with the pace. The high top spin to the backhand, one-hander, it's a, it's a big handicap to overcome. You have yeah. got to be unbelievably good. And if you're a little bit off, that's, that's, what happens. Right. that's what happens. <laughs> Martina, you are rarely a runner-up, but let's give some credit here to Casper Ruud. Normally, obviously, Martina holding the big trophy. But if you are Casper Ruud in this situation, you have a phenomenal tournament. You're still trying to prove yourself on hard court. Has he proved himself now? And what, do you t what if you're Ruud, do you take away from a tournament like this? Well, he's uh, he's taken it to another level. Um, it, for me, he was like a user-friendly competitor before, but now he's beefed up his game. He can actually really hurt people from the baseline. Alcaraz, he couldn't hurt him on this, not not today. But overall, he's really uh, beefed up his game. And I, I would like to see him come to the net a little bit more, uh, use that as an element of surprise uh, to, to get into the opponent's head. But overall, he's got to be pretty happy with, with the results. Talk a little bit more about getting into an opponent's head. Not so much the opponent, but your own head. When you're in a moment like this, in your your first Masters 1000 final, the first to do it from your country as well, first Norwegian. How do you mentally overcome losing this match? Well, you well, first of all, it's a great result to get to the final, so you have to take the positives from it, right? Never been here before. Mm -hmm. Great, you hit for the first time. How do you handle the nerves? He handled them very well. He just got beaten by a better man. So that's you tip your hat and say, okay. What did I learn today about this particular matchup? What did I learn about my game? And be happy where you got because it's not been done before. So he, he did his country proud, Kasper Ruud. Oh, you heard it from the champion's mouth right there. <laughs> you got to look at the positives. Regardless of what happens there, you made it to a final of a giant event, your best result at a Masters 1000, so lots to build on. Right. But as far as the X's and O's, I think, for Kasper Ruud, especially on a hard court, we saw some brilliant stuff here. He's most comfortable on the clay because of all the time he gets, but he stepped up into the return, gotten a bit more aggressive, gone for a little bit more on that first serve. All these things are going to stand him on good set on quicker surfaces moving forward. But as Martina said, continue to get uncomfortable. That's how you grow. So perhaps a little bit more time at the net, get a little bit more threatening there. You're just adding, adding new elements to your game. Well, we will hear from the champion at this desk and a little bit later on. But coming up, we're going to celebrate Two Polish rising stars, Iga Świątek and Hubie Hercoc, have spawned a golden age of Polish tennis. We're going to talk about their success and more on TC Live. Coming to you from Miami in a moment. Welcome back to TC Live. 20-year-old Iga Świątek, fourth woman ever to win the Sunshine Double. She's won 17 matches in a row and is going to be cemented as the world number one come Monday morning. And Hubie Hercoc wins a doubles trophy here in Miami alongside John Isner. He backs up his championship run in Miami a year ago with a semifinal appearance in singles. Both poles have already won a singles championship in Miami a year apart from one another. Four singles titles already for Hubie Hercoc and Iga Świątek becoming the first Polish player to be ranked world number one. Martina Prakash, Martina, start with you. How impressive has it been to see Poland dish out not just one, but two stars? Prakash well, won this tournament last year in singles. This year he wins the doubles. The, uh, and Isner gets the Sunshine double in, in doubles. And I guess she gets the Sunshine double in singles, which was really impressive. Particularly the way she finished off her year, she wasn't very happy with her game. And, and she came out firing. Uh, and I think, again, Tomasz Wiktorowski, her coach, I think it's helped her a lot. Kind of 
couple missing pieces in her game, but maybe more in her mind. And she's playing freely. She's moving beautifully and has to be a favorite for the for the Roland Garros tournament. What are some now. of those missing pieces you're alluding to? Uh, just being more aggressive. I think she was a little too passive. Uh, open up the court a little more. And also, as well as moving forward, she's still working on going actually going to the net, but just getting more inside the baseline where she can dictate more and be more proactive. I think what's impressed me the most is uh, you talked about coming from a country like Poland where they've had some great players but not at this level. Mm. And when you're coming from a culture that doesn't have a certain level and all of a sudden you exceed it, you're you're able to see things that aren't exactly there. And Martina, you did this your entire career where you were breaking new ground and setting the standard for so many others to come behind. I think that's so special when you're able to do that because it doesn't exist until you do it. And for Iga to do that at such a young age, uh, we're just all fortunate to be witnessing that. Well, Pete, you're talking about the greatest players to come out of Poland. Well, let's take a look at exactly that and where ex Hubie and Iga land on that list. In your comparisons there, Martina, who stands out to you as potentially, I guess, when it's all well, said and done, the top yeah, star? I mean, I mean Iga Świątek potentially a, a Hall of Famer. And I believe would be the first Polish Hall of Famer. There was a Polish woman, Jadwiga Jetrzejewska, way back in the 30s and 40s who might be in the Hall of Fame, I'm not sure. But in any case, Iga Świątek's on her way, and Hubert Hurkacz could get there as well because he's uh, he's still improving and, and playing better. And you know, he's got a complete game too, and I think he'll be a, he'll be a, he'll be a big uh, force on the grass. Certainly, and lovely to see a couple of those other names there. Wojtek Feedback was a very uh, talented, tricky opponent. Smart, uh, uh, very smart, smart, very smart. Several decades ago, and and Aga in that in that little package, she packed so much competitiveness yeah. and was so smart and intelligent. Very high tennis IQ around the court, number two in the world, and and Iga's past that now. Yep. Hubie Hercotch was night and day comparison from Miami last year to now just in terms of his personality the way he carried himself he was shyer a little bit more timid especially when he would join you up here on the desk from your perspective being talking to him how much has that changed in him and do you think it's helped his tennis well, we've talked a lot about players getting their ranking up to a certain part and can they keep it up. I think a lot of it is balancing the lifestyle that comes along with it. Look, he had, <laughs> had such a sensational life that uh, comes along with becoming top 10 after he had last year, and it seems like he's embracing it. He's enjoying it. He's enjoying all the attention. He's going to the restaurants. He's letting people in. He's bringing them in on social media. There's a mural of him up in the art district here, and he seems he's enjoying it. He's taking in the crowd energy, and he's just he's a bit more open and comfortable with it. He's enjoying the lifestyle. It's an understatement. He gets a McLaren every tournament he plays. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good, I enjoy the on the freeway and I couldn't keep up and I drive fast. Let me tell you, he's enjoying it. Yeah, he's come out of his shell and yeah. out of his McLaren and he's loving playing tennis. <laughs> Absolutely. Bright orange at that. Battle to the metal and full force ahead for these two Polish stars. Excited to watch them continue their success on the clay. Coming up, we're going to listen to Carlos Alcaraz, our champion here in Miami. He joined Brett and Martina at the TC desk a little bit earlier. Don't go anywhere. More TC Live after this. Welcome back to TC Live. The Miami Open trophy was lifted by this guy, 18-year-old sensation Carlos Alcaraz. And following the trophy presentation, the champ was kind enough to join Brett Haber and Martina Navratilova at the Tennis Channel Cadillac desk and share what it meant to him to win his first Masters 1000 title here in Miami. Take a look. Carlos, welcome. Congratulations. Thanks for uh, for coming. 
Boy, uh, you know, you've dazzled the tennis world in the last six months or so, in the last two weeks, for sure, about how quickly you have risen to the top of this sport. Have you dazzled yourself? Has this come <laughs> even faster than you expected it to happen? Of course. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm born in steps so, so fast. Uh, I didn't expect that. Uh, my goal was uh, to end uh, the year into the top uh, 15. And uh, now I'm uh, 11 and I'm close to the top 10. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going up so fast. And uh, I think that means with the, 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 all the hard work that I put every day, I, I mean, I'm so happy with, with, the, with the work, with, with my team and uh, everything I... I, I, I've done. You are such a complete player already, and it's hard to find what you can do better. You haven't found any, any openings against you. I said there's no there's no holes. Somebody has to do everything better than you. How come you are such a complete player so soon in your career? Anouk Juan Carlos has done a great job, but still, how did you get here? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, uh, Juan Carlos uh, played everything that I that I'm playing. The, he he has experience or that I'm experiencing now, right, right now so he, he helped me mm. a lot uh, of course he it, it helped he helped me a lot all the experience that I lived uh, last year I mean playing Rafa in Madrid uh, against Sverev in Acapulco that uh, you have to live that experience to learn about about it and uh, grew up with with it and uh, yeah I think the, uh, I knew what I have to do, uh, I knew the, the work that I that I have to, to do uh, as well. All the precisions, all the tournament that I that I played uh, was uh, was amazing, and uh, it helped me a, a lot. How old were you when you knew you, this is what you wanted to do for your life, be the best tennis player you can be? And how old were you when you realized I can't beat anybody? Uh, well, I think when, <laughs> when I was younger, I mean, yeah. uh, when I started playing tennis, uh, I think. The, when I was five, six years old, you always old, wanted to play. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna, you loved it. I wanted uh, to be number one of the, of the world. That's my my experiences. And uh, yeah, I think that was this year. And eh? this year, I, you figured out. Yeah, you I, I thought that uh, I'd be able to to yeah. beat the the best players in the world and uh, to be in the in the top. Obviously, you have a, a close relationship with your coach, Juan Carlos Ferrero, who has been number one in the world. We know that he had a tragedy in his family this week and had to go home to Spain to mourn the passing of his father. We saw the video of him coming back last night at the hotel where you gave him a strong, strong embrace. What did it mean to you to have him, even in a very difficult week for him, to have him come back to watch you play in this final? It's amazing. It's amazing to, to have uh, Juan Carlos here, here with me. I mean, I... Uh, I talked with with him every day, uh, and uh, yeah, it was a surprise. Yeah, I didn't know he he came uh, he came here. I didn't know anything, and uh, yeah, it was uh, a big surprise for for me. And uh, of course, I'm really happy with uh, with it. I'm really happy to to have Juan Carlos with me. Shared, uh, my first Master 1000 title with with him here in the in the box is uh, pretty pretty special. What about uh, the comparisons to Rafa? It, it's so easy for us to do it. Maybe too easy sometimes that that we make those comparisons because you're both Spanish and you've achieved so much so young like him. Did, are those okay with you? Do they bother you, or would you appreciate them, or would you rather be I'm Carlos, he's Rafa? Don't do that. 
Well, uh, I would say that they, if they compare you with, with Rafa, that means that you are doing the great things, the, the right things. Uh, you are uh, you are in the in the right way, you know. But uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to not think about about that. I mean, Rafa is Rafa, I, and Carlos Alcaraz is Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, Rafa is one of the best players of uh, history in tennis, and uh, now I'm. Uh, I'm a young man to, that uh, is living his his dream, but uh, yeah, I would say that Rafa is Rafa and Carlos is Carlos. Rafa was 18, I think, when he got to the finals. You were three years old. Pretty good footsteps to be following. And how much uh, did Rafa show you the way how to be on the court and how to play? Well, Rafa is uh, my idol. Uh, I looked up uh, to him when I was young. Uh, I mean, uh, the he inspired me a lot, a lot. Uh, when I was younger, watching his matches, he, his big matches. Uh, it, it was uh, pretty amazing to learn from from him when I when I was young. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, to be uh, around him now in the tour, be able to, to play against him is uh, yeah pretty, pretty pretty special. When you were here a year ago, you were outside the top 100. You said that your goal at the beginning of the year was to be top 15. You're going to be number 11 on Monday, Carlos. You're going to need to come up with some new goals for the, for the rest of the year. What are they? How far do you want well, to go? What question. do you think you can yeah. do in majors? What are the plans now? Well, uh, as you said, it was a goal to to be uh, to end the year top 15 and be able to win uh, ATP 500. I did in Rio, and then when, when I when I won it, uh, I think the, well now looking for a Master 1000. I did here, so <laughs> hope hope to. Uh, to get the uh, Grand Slam this year, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. It's a tough world for for me uh, now. Trying to go to the top ten or uh, be able to classify to the ATP Finals in the end of the year. There's only one level above the Masters 1000, yeah. and we all know what it is, Carlos. It's been a pleasure watching your emergence and getting to know you. Congratulations! Thank you very much. Congratulations! Thank, Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Higher level than the thousands. I wonder what that is, right? <laughs> Great stuff there from Brett and Martina and Carlos, of course. He's going to be 11th in the world. You just heard that when the new rankings released, but he's second in the race to Turin. Monte Carlo is a week from now. What can we expect from him on the clay, P? Well, I, I hate to go a little uh, philosophical here on you, but uh, a lot of people have limits uh, that they've set on themselves. They're all self-inflicted or they're inflicted on by other people. I think Carlos is in a beautiful spot right now because he believes he has no limits. Hmm. So he's really trying to see what life turns out for him. He's creating it as he goes along. So there's no reason why he can't go and win one or two thousands on There's no reason why he can't go win the French. We'll have to see how he goes and executes, of course. But the fact that he is living in that mental space, and a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Do you believe that he will have a great future on the clay as well uh, in the coming I, months? Absolutely. I, yeah. Uh, he can win on any surface. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He can defend on any surface. His shots pay off on any surface. And I think he can make adjustments to come to the net more on the faster courts and stay back more on the slower courts. He obviously grew up on clay, so he moves beautifully on that. And for me, he is top four in every major as a favorite wow. to win right wow. now. Wow. I'll put him up there with Medvedev, Djokovic, and Nadal right now. Wow.
That's a big statement, especially yep. coming from someone like you, Martina, in the coat. It is time now for our social net. We talked about Monte Carlo. P and I will be there in a week, but hey, P, uh, Novak Djokovic beat us there, already practicing on the clay court. D, we've seen some great storylines here in Miami, and we're going to see another mm. great one in Monte Carlo. <laughs> Novak Djokovic returning to the court. I, I am so thrilled to see how hungry this man is going to be when he returns to the clay. Absolutely. It's going to look good. He's going to be the top seed in Monte Carlo when we get out there. Let's take a look at another top tenner, but on the women's side in Anjabor. She's over in Charleston and stealing a couple secrets from our own Tracy Austin. <laughs> Martina, you may have some secrets to share with her. You've won the event four times. I um, did. I, I, wonder, <laughs> I, I wonder what Tracy told her. I, you know, I, I love listening to Tracy. She's got, she's got some great insights because yeah. she, you know, she was a slight player right so she had to figure out how to how to beat the bigger girls like me and she did so uh, i would definitely be talking to her about some tennis insights oh man Anjabor, what a crack up that girl is huh? she's, she's amazing great. every 30 seconds coming over <laughs> with a great one-liner over here she was brilliant oh man goodness be fun to see her in charleston you can see all the action in charleston as well the new renovated stadium this is the first time you'll see it and tennis channel has complete live coverage of the wta credit one charleston open including all the day's biggest matches exclusive broadcasts of the quarterfinals semifinals and finals and how about the presence we're going to have there alongside Tracy Austin. It'll be Lindsay Davenport, Pam Shriver, Chanda Rubin, Ted Robinson, and Steve Weissman. Coverage begins at 10 a.m. More TC Live and the best of the best from Miami when we return. Great stuff from Miami, of course, <laughs> but let's reinforce that last play from J.J. Wolf. Not, that's a hard shot if you're a lefty in general, but if you're a righty, switch hands to the left. Have you seen anything like that, Martina? No. It's a good shot if it's your correct hand that you're playing with, but when you choke up on the racket like that, of course, Tsitsipas should have hit a slice back and approach rather than a topspin, but in any case, unbelievable shot by JJ. L listen, if, if you feed a ball out that. of your hand and ask the guy to do that and he right. still does it, that's impressive. But on the dead run, splits, the leg strength, the balance, the head wherewithal, and then he gives the, the lawnmower at the end. He had the whole thing going. Too bad he wasn't fired up after that. <laughs> As well he should be. That's one of the shots of the year, period. 100%. Unbelievable, yeah. and it's only the beginning of the year. We're only in April, folks. All right, coming up is going to be Charleston, and our coverage begins at 10 a.m. tomorrow. So let's turn our attention to there. The Charleston native Shelby Rogers is going to highlight our night coverage on Monday night. But, Martina, some key first-round matches here. What stands out to you? Yeah, like the All-American, uh, uh, Allison Risk and Katie McNally. We'll see how well they can adapt after playing here on the hard court, coming on the clay, see who can move better and play better. And I, I want Sloan to be doing something already. Come on. I think can't it's a, do it. I think it's a good opening round for Sloan to work mm. her way in, get a win there. It, it takes not much to get a little momentum right. going and, and, and pick it up. So I think a good opportunity for her. And Katie McNally, she had a deep run here, semis in doubles. But she's really wanted to get her singles ranking up so she yep. can be at the same events as Coco. So um, I know she'll be fired up as well to take on Ali. Martina, is there any difference between the green and the red clay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you move easier on the red clay because it's finer so you can control your slide a lot better and the ball doesn't bounce as high. So it's uh, for me, it was more user-friendly. Uh, the green clay was really hard to move. Once you start moving one way, it's really hard to get back into the court. So it's more difficult to cover the court. Um, and there's a lot of clay on that particular court unless they changed it. So we kind of dig in 
and uh, or you can slide on top depending on on how uh, fine the the topsoil is. A little quicker as well, Martina. The green clay you can perhaps play a little bit more aggressive tennis on there. Uh, I'm not so sure because it bounces higher, so that makes it slower because you can run the balls down easier on that in a way. So it's kind of a six or one half a dozen of the other. It's yeah. going to be a fun tournament to watch. You can watch that tomorrow at Tennis Channel at 10 a.m. Eastern. But that's going to do it for us here in Miami after 13 days of. Con- Coverage, we've crowned two singles champions, Iga Sviantek and Carlos Alcaraz. Thank you to our Tennis Channel crew. Thanks to all the loyal tennis fans for enjoying our coverage from Hard Rock Stadium. For Martina and Prakash, I'm Danny. We've got more tennis coming your way on Tennis Channel.